0: Trip. So we're going to dig in. We're still in Mark chapter 14. So if you have a Bibles, I want you to go ahead and open them up to uh, Mark chapter 14. Do you know that God loves you and is willing to forgive you of all your sins? Amen. I, I hope you know that. It's one of the lines from uh, Billy Graham's final sermon that he preached. 95 years old. And he was still preaching the gospel doing amazing things. One of the things that I loved that Billy Graham would say, uh, he believed that the Bible is the inerrant word of God. What's that mean? That it is truthful. Okay, that it speaks truth. That it is correct all the times. And one of the things that I love that he would say is he would always say, the Bible says. Not what Billy Graham says, not what else he heard. What what does the Bible say? And he always said that. And one of my mentors, uh, Mr. John Wilson, uh, he passed away. He was over 100 years old. Um, grew a church, built a church, did some awesome things. And 90 plus years old, he is still, uh, he was uh, still going to the hospital, making hospital calls. He was in the hospital, not feeling well, having his own health issues. They put him in a wheelchair so he could go around to other people in the hospital to pray with them. I I we... Let, you are never too old to share the gospel. You are never too old to be doing your part. And, and a lot of people, they go, well, well, what is my part? What should I do? How do I make a difference in the world? One of the things that we have to do is we have to be strong in our faith. And, and one of the things that we're so worried about that, and we're, we're, we're scared about is that we're not going to have the right words to say. And this morning, as we dig into uh, Mark chapter 14, and, and we look at, at the, the, the the betrayal and the arrest of Jesus, what happens with Peter as he as Jesus goes on trial? We're going to find out that he falls. And last week, we talked just about that very same thing. It's, as Jesus, he leaves the upper room, he goes down into the Kidron Valley, he goes back up to the other side, he goes in uh, to the Mount of Olives, he goes into the garden, and, and there he goes to pray. And those that were closest to him, that were supposed to, said, they would go to the death with him, they all bailed. And they all failed. And they all fell short. So any time that you go, well... I don't think I have it in me. Well, I've failed. How could he ever use me? We're going to look at some of those stories here um, this morning. Now, I hope you're ready. Uh, It's going to be a lot of Bible. If you have your Bibles, I want you to open them. If not, it will be on the screens behind me. But we're going to cover some 30 verses here this morning. And a simple outline. We're going to have a bitter betrayal. We're going to have a terrible trial. And we're going to have a deliberate denial. And that's what we're going to look at. So number one. A bitter betrayal look at verses starting in verse 43 and immediately so Jesus has been praying he has come back he's found the disciples sound asleep and he tells them stand up and get ready and immediately while he was still speaking Judas came one of the twelve and with him a crowd with swords and clubs from the chief priests and the scribes and the elders now the betrayer had given them a sign saying The one I will kiss is the man. Seize him and lead him away under guard. And he, and when he came, he went up to him at once and said, Rabbi. And he kissed him. And they laid hands on him and seized him. But one of those who stood by drew his sword and struck the servant of the high priest and cut off his ear. And Jesus said to them, have you come out against me? Have you come out? "...as against a robber, with swords and clubs to capture me? Day after day I was with you in the temple teaching, and you did not seize me. But let the Scriptures be fulfilled. And they, and they all left him and fled. And a young man followed him with nothing but a linen cloth about his body, and they seized him. But he left the linen cloth and ran away naked." I'm going to get away at any cost. That's what that young man was thinking. And we're not for sure who that is. Some commentators actually believe that it was Mark writing about himself. That goes to tell you, and here's the thing, when we read this, when we read the Gospels, when we read what Peter has to say, and what Paul has to say, here's the thing, if it wasn't truthful, if it wasn't the Word of God, I'm sure they would go, hey, leave that part out. Hey, um, you know that part where um, I deny Jesus? Can we just scratch that from the record? Can we not put that in there? Um, Mark very well could have said, "Uh, I'm going to leave out that part where I ran away naked. No, they're telling us the truth. And that's truly what we get from this. So as we go back and we break this part of the scripture down, Jesus has concluded his his prayer time, his teaching with his disciples, and Judas brings... A crowd with clubs and swords. This is a, a cohort. It's a band of soldiers, we're told, in John chapter 18, verse 12. Now, some believe that these were Roman soldiers that were a part of his arrest. But this was probably the Jewish temple guard and, that's going to make this arrest. And it's going to become more clear here in just a second. And like most undercover operations, there's a signal, there's a sign that's going to be given. Because many times when, when people were going to be arrested and the leader didn't want to be arrested, so others would step up and the others would speak. Okay, they would say, no, it's me. No, it's me. No, I'm the one. No, I'm the one. I'm the Messiah. No. And, and that all could have happened and Judas says, hey, I'm going to give you the signal. And I'm going to go up and I'm going to kiss him, and that is going to be the sign. The one I will kiss is the man. Seize him and lead him away under guard. And Judas wastes no time. He went up at once and said, Rabbi, and he kissed him. What a a bitter betrayal. When you went up and you kissed someone either side of the cheek, there was a sign of close friendship and here judas decides he is going to betray him proverbs 27 6 says the kisses of an enemy are deceitful something else happens at this point that john records for us in in john chapter 18 verses 4 through 5 and it's quite remarkable then jesus knowing all that would happen to him came forward and said to them Whom do you seek? They answered him, Jesus of Nazareth. Just stop there for just a second. Again, we talked about this last week. Jesus is our conqueror. He is not a coward and he is not a victim. Jesus is our victor. And we must make sure that we always remember that. Knowing everything that was going to happen, knowing the cup that he has just talked to his father about, knowing everything that's inside of that cup, the wrath that's coming. Again, he could have left, he could have taken away. Our souls were saved that moment in the garden when he chose not to flee. And right there, he said, whom do you seek? And they said, Jesus of Nazareth. And I love this. Jesus said to them, I am he. Now, remember when i said that some people think that they were roman guards well this next part that we read in john chapter 18 wouldn't have happened to romans but to the jewish people the high priest the temple guards when jesus said those words i am he was equating himself with god he is saying that he is the messiah that he is the man and what happens they drew back and fell to the ground they were in the presence of the Father. And when they heard those words, they had to fall. They had to listen to Yahweh. They had to listen to the Father. And at that moment, Jesus is equating himself with the Lord, with the Father. They must have known he was no ordinary man, yet, according to Mark chapter 14, verse 46, they laid hands on him and seized him. While Jesus offers himself willingly, Verse 47 tells us that they drew uh, someone, we know it was Peter from another gospel, uh, one of them drew a sword and struck the servant of the high priest and cut off his ear. Again, Mark doesn't tell us, but John tells us that it is Peter. Again, Peter would say to John, Hey John, um, remember that part where I cut off um, the high priest's servant's ear? Yeah, could we change that and say that I killed someone instead? Okay. Everybody wants to go. Oh, Peter, he was ready to fight. He was ready to go. He didn't take on a, a guard. He cut off the servant's ear. And, and he couldn't even do that right. Everybody, go. oh yeah, Peter, way to go. No. And here's the problem: he should have stuck to fishing. He wasn't that good of a fisherman either. Jesus, listen, if you ever think for one second, if you ever think God could never use me. I don't have any gifts. He used Peter. He couldn't couldn't kill someone. Don't try that, okay? He couldn't kill some. And not only could he not kill someone, he he couldn't even, he he wasn't a good fisherman. Every time Jesus has to say, no, 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 throw your nuts over there. No, 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 do, do this. Okay. Jesus can use any one of us. Please, please never forget that. But here's the thing that we really need to understand out of this. Peter was trying to fight a spiritual battle with a physical weapon. We read in 2 Corinthians chapter 10 verse 3, for though we walk in the flesh we are not waging war against the flesh. Please remember that. You can't fix your marriage. You can't handle the stress of this world. You cannot overcome an addiction. You can't overcome your sins just by trying harder. You have to have the Lord. You have to have Jesus. You have to have the Holy Spirit fighting for you and with you every step of the way. It's not what we do, but what's already been done for us. And that's what we have to remember. Jesus then asked why they're treating him like a robber. I mean, when they say they laid hands on him, they didn't go, okay, come with us now. No, Laid hands on, they started spitting on him, they started punching him, they were going to arrest him, they were going to do whatever they needed to do. But what, is, what does Jesus say? You're coming at me like I'm some robber. Verse 49, but let the scriptures be fulfilled. The Bible says in verse 50, and they all left him and fled. Again, this is a, a fulfillment of verse 27, which contains a quote from Zechariah. You will all fall away, for it is written, I will strike the shepherd, and the sheep will be scattered. So we have this bitter betrayal that happens. Judas is going to come to Jesus. Number two, there's going to be a horrible, terrible trial. It's important to keep in mind that Jesus had several different trials. Um, he 's going to have a couple in front of the Jewish courts, and then he 's going to have the, re- the he, then he 's going to have those in front of king Herod and pilate we 're going to talk about those next week um, we 're only going to focus on the religious ones I- at this point uh, of the message. look at verse fifty three and they led Jesus to the high priest, and all the chief priests and the elders and the scribes came together again. If we go back to John chapter eighteen, the parallel to this that Jesus was bound and led to Annas. Now in the Gospels, two individuals were given the title of high priest, Annas and Caiaphas. According to the Old Testament, the high priest, it was an office for life. But he has now moved on, and now we have Caiaphas as the other high priest. And and what we know about this is Annas is kind of like the godfather okay everyone still looks to him for for guidance but then there's caiaphas he was ruthless he worked alongside in many ways with the romans to get what he wanted so he could stay in power and while all of this is going on with jesus peter goes right into the courtyard of the high priest he wants to warm himself by the fire he is trying to stay close and again we kind of give kudos to peter he, he, he's failing it's time after time yet he still was staying close to the Savior. Look at verse 54. And Peter had followed him at a distance, right into the courtyard of the high priest, and he was sitting with the guards and warming himself at the fire. Now we're going to pick that up here in just a few moments, but for now, I want you to think about a couple of questions. Just ponder these. Where am I at with my walk with Jesus? Am I following closely with Jesus? Am I far off? Am I following at a distance? Am I allowing the enemies of Jesus to influence me? Am I playing with fire? We go to Numbers chapter 35, verse 30. The religious leaders needed at least two witnesses before putting Jesus to death. Now, they're having a hard time doing so. The Bible tells us in verse 56 that some came forward, but their stories they they didn't line up they didn't mash up and, and they kept trying others stood up and bore false witness against him saying we heard him say I will destroy this temple that is made with hands and in three days I will build another not made with hands you see they're hoping that this charge will stick because this this charge here is a capital offense this was a stretch as well because Jesus is the one that was clear that they were the ones. Jesus made it clear that these religious leaders were the ones that would destroy the temple. Go back to John chapter 2, all the way back to the very beginning. John chapter 2, verses 19 through 21. Destroy this temple, and in three days I will raise it up. The Jews then said, it has taken 46 years to build this temple, and you will raise it up in three days? but he was speaking about the temple of his body. Now the interrogation, it it doesn't back off at any means. Actually, it intensifies. Look at verse 60. And the high priest stood up in the midst and asked Jesus, Have you no answer to make? What is it that these men testify against you? But he remained silent and made no answer. By remaining silent, again, Jesus continues to fulfill prophecy. Isaiah chapter fifty-three, verse seven says, He was oppressed and he was afflicted, yet he opened not his mouth. Like a lamb that is led to the slaughter, and like a sheep that before its shears is silent, so he opened not his mouth. I want you to hear what Peter says. First Peter chapter two, verse twenty-three. When he was reviled, he did not revile in return. When he suffered, he did not threaten, but continued entrusting himself to him who judges justly. The high priest at this point is getting absolutely nowhere. So he decided to ask a very direct question. Look at the second part of verse 61. Again, the high priest asked him, Are you the Christ, the Son of the Blessed? Now, the, the tense of asked him means that he kept asking. He just kept repeating it. You know, if you want to get someone to just agree with you, you just keep saying it over and over and over again. And finally they go, Fine, yes! Here, this is the only time... The high priests have never, they have not yet once tried to identify or or call Jesus the Messiah. But here they say, are you the Christ, the Son of the Blessed? They're making a direct uh, claim here for Jesus. The Holy One didn't hesitate. Jesus in this did not hesitate with his answer. A lot of things have come up. He has kept quiet, but at this point, he says, It's time for me to speak. Look at verse 62. And Jesus said, I am. And you will see the Son of Man seated at the right hand of power and coming with the clouds of heaven. Now this is the second time Jesus uses the phrase, I am, in this context of what we're looking at here today. This harkens back to Exodus chapter 3, verse 14, when God looks at Moses and says, I am who I am. Jesus is saying, yes, I am the Messiah. Yes, I am the anointed. Yes, I am the son of the blessed. Yes, I am who I am. I am with the Father. Jesus said back in John chapter 8 verse 58, before Abraham was, I am. The high priest got more than he bargained for with this answer. The high priest, Caiaphas, Annas, they just wanted Jesus to say, yep. But no, he lays it all out there. Again, Jesus is not a victim, he is our victor. He is not silent when it needed when he needed to speak, and he spoke, and he spoke the words of true majesty. Not only did Jesus declare that he was the Messiah, but he also showed that the roles were going to be reversed one day. Because what does he say? I am, and I will be seated at the right hand of the Father in the clouds. What he is saying in this very moment is, you may be judging me right now, but one day you will stand before judgment one day what you're doing to me you will stand before judgment he is our righteous judge he is the cosmic ruler of all of the universe and we need to make sure that we never forget that his death will not be the end he will rise from the dead ascend to heaven and return in great power and glory Jesus may be in custody, but he's still in control, and he's still in charge. Never, ever forget that. In the midst of everything that you're going through, and you're going, God, where are you? Where were you? How is this happening to me? And he says, hey, I'm right here. But why can this be happening? I'm right here. Just trust in me. Even if things don't happen, even if things don't work out on this earth, guess what? I got you. Because one day you're going to be with me in heaven. And never, please, never forget that. In a show of holy hypocrisy, Caiaphas tore his clothes to declare that Jesus was committing blasphemy. Friends, please make sure that you understand that Jesus is not the one who is committing blasphemy. He he speaks fact. Jesus speaks fact when he says that he is who he is. This group of This group then declares that Jesus is worthy of death in verse 65. They let loose on the Lord of glory. Look at verse 65. And some began to spit on him and to cover his face and, and to strike him, saying to him, prophesy! And the guards received him with blows. Humiliation. When they couldn't get what they wanted, they decided it was time to humiliate and it was time to find a way to put him ultimately to death. Now in the midst of all of this, Judas is already betrayed. We have this trial that is happening. Now we come to our final point. And on our final point, it is just a deliberate denial. You see, when Jesus was arrested, the disciples, they became deserters. They've all taken off. Peter stays close. Peter wants to see what is really happening to his Lord. And for whatever reason, at this moment, there was some courageousness in Peter. Because he followed, he stayed at a distance, but the problem is, while he was warming himself by the fire, he's now going to be put on the hot seat. Okay, and that's what we have. There's three denials, and let's just walk through those right now. The first denial, we look at verse 66. And as Peter was below in the courtyard, one of the servant girls of the high priest came, and seeing Peter warming himself, she looked at him and said, You also were with the Nazarene Jesus. But he denied it, saying, I neither know nor understand what you mean. And he went out into the gateway, and the rooster crowed. It's hard to believe that this was the same guy who had just tried to cut off the someone's ear who just earlier that evening had also said I'll go to the death with you but the first denial is made extremely clear in this moment Luke chapter 22 verse 33 Lord I am willing to go with you to prison and to death but now he's put to the test he's put to fire In, in verse 54 it tells us that he had been warming himself by the fire it had become a little too hot now because Peter is caught off guard when he's asked these questions, and he kind of just pleads ignorance, and he basically says, ah, that's not me. Talk to the hand. I'm warm. Leave me alone. And he kind of just moves on just a little bit. But then there's the second denial. Peter moves away from the fire and is now under a covered passageway where he thinks he's a little safer. But this little servant girl, she's not leaving him alone. Look at this. Verse 69, and and the servant girl saw him and began again to say to the bystanders, this man is one of them. But again, he denied it. And after a a little while, the bystanders again said to Peter, certainly you are one of them. You are a Galilean. How in the world do they know he's a Galilean? Because they've heard him talk. It would be like someone from, from Ohio hearing somebody from West Virginia talk. And there's something just a little different about them. Or from Texas or wherever. Galilean had their own accent. Okay? Or somebody from Minnesota, and you're trying to understand what they're saying. Oh, <laughs> see? There you go. There you go. <laughs> this, the, the, the tense here is in deni- Denied indicates that Peter, again, as Jesus was asked the question over and over and over and over again, here Peter goes, not me. Nope. Mm-mm, not me. No, 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 no. It's not me. It wasn't me. And they continue to ask, and he continues to deny. He wants nothing to do with it. And he is, we come to the final denial, number three. And about an hour later, this is what happens. Mark chapter 14, starting verse 70. But again, he denied it, and after a little while, the bystanders again said to Peter, Certainly you are one of them, for you are a Galilean. But then, but he began to invoke a curse on on himself and to swear, I do not know this man of whom you speak. Now when it says that he cursed, it wasn't like he said a bad word. That's not what was happening here. He wasn't using bad language. It's actually a lot worse than that. He was actually calling down a curse upon himself. He was basically saying, I'll go to hell if I was really one of them. Absolutely not. No way is this me. May I be condemned and go to hell if I've been found to be a follower of this man? And as Jesus, or I'm sorry, as Peter is calling down this curse upon him, what happens? Now the rooster crows again. I almost picture, because it's over and over, it's repetitive. Peter is denying. I almost picture in mid-sentence, he hears that rooster crow and he looks and he sees his Lord. Look at Luke chapter 22, verse 61. It says, The Lord turned and looked at Peter. Spit on his face. Blood in his eyes. Face probably starting to swell. And he looks. And he gazes at Peter. And he sees him. Could you imagine what that must have been like for Peter? Peter. And at any point, listen, please understand this. At any point in your life, if you feel like I, I, I've denied him, there's no way he would accept me back. There's no way he could ever, uh, I, am, I am beyond repair. I am beyond reconciliation. No way would Jesus ever accept me back. Guess what? It's exactly what he did to Peter. And we're going we're gonna to talk about that later. But you can read ahead in the Gospel of John, John chapter 21, and we have this reinstatement of Peter that is absolutely amazing. The look of love from his Lord, I think, broke Peter's proud heart. I'm reminded of what the Bible says in Romans chapter 2, verse 4. Or do you presume on the riches of his kindness and forbearance and patience not knowing that God's kindness is meant to lead you to repentance you see the kindness of Christ turned Peter into an absolute puddle I believe at that moment because we're told that he went away and he wept he went away saddened. he knew what he had just done he had just said hours earlier Lord I will go to the death with you I'll go to prison with you this is who I am everyone else is gonna leave you not me Peter's proud heart was broken. Maybe that's what's happening to you today. I wonder if you feel like Peter today. You feel like, again, you just can't be forgiven. It could be that your marriage is a mess. Friendships have, have fractured. Maybe you've lost your job. Your business is a bust. Your kids aren't turning out quite the way that you had hoped that they would. Maybe there's a a slow leak going on and perhaps you're just about ready to just completely blow up. It's time to move from rebellion to repentance and jesus offers that to you here today it's up to you if you're willing to accept what he's going to give and a denial does not disqualify you a denial does not disqualify you remember that while peter is falling into sin the savior is preparing to produce salvation that's what we have to hold on to After Jesus is put to death, the disciples are afraid and go into hiding. And I love uh, what the angel said to the women who had come to the empty tomb on that Sunday morning. We go to Mark chapter 16, verse 7. But go, tell the disciples, and who? And Peter. Go and tell those other guys. But most importantly, he calls Peter by name. He wants Peter to know you can be forgiven and you can put your own name in that jesus accepts you right where you're at right now no matter what has happened in your life he will forgive you go and tell the disciples and peter that he is going before you to galilee there he will see you just as he told you the angel is reminding them of everything that Jesus has already said. And specifically to Peter, I could almost see Peter. You know, the angel appears there, and, and, and as the women come back, and they go, and they tell the, the disciples that are in hiding, and Peter's in the corner just like, I can't believe this has happened. Hey, Mary looks at Peter and says, hey, he called. He called you by name. He didn't forget about you, Peter. And that's what we hold on to. So how do we respond? How do we respond to what Jesus is offering us? Number one, serve God in your generation. Billy Graham did it the way that he could and the best way that he possibly I, I believe I read that he had um, reached some 95 million people. By by preaching the gospel all over the world, all over the different countries, and, and on TV. People still listen to his messages, messages today. Uh, Mr. John Wilson, in his generation, he preached the gospel and he spread the gospel the way that he could. I'm trying to do it today. And it's up to you as well. And I look at you young people and I say the same thing. Because you look at me and you go, oh, you're a Gen Xer. Ugh. Oh. You're so old. Well, there's some older people than me, okay? But here's the thing: in your generation, and I loved this. I saw this because I follow Move on, on Instagram and Facebook, and I saw, hey, it was take your Bible to school day, and I saw several of you with your Bibles at school. That's awesome. In in just a few weeks, uh, in two weeks they're going to do Move in the City and they're going to be doing some amazing things and I want you to, I want you to be proud of your young people because they're, they're spreading the gospel and they're doing amazing things and don't stop, please. The world's going to try to stop you. Everything is trying to get in your way. Hold tight to the fire that you have in you right now. And now I look back at you old people and I look at myself and I say, don't stop fighting for your generation as well. Make a difference. You're nev- I talked about this at the beginning. You are never too old to fight. You are never too old to stand up. You are never too old. Well, I've retired, so I don't have to serve no more. Yes, you do. Until you are in the ground, until you are in the heavens with your heavenly Father, it is up to you to continue sharing the gospel of Jesus Christ. It is up to you to to still continue to volunteer with our kids and with our youth, and to bring your cars. (laughs) See, we we need you. We need you to connect. Those young people need you to sit in the nursery and to hold those babies. We need you to be a part of what is happening in this church so we can all continue to to just do amazing things for for the kingdom of God. So serve in your generation. Number two, let's leverage this cultural moment for the gospel impact. There's a lot of people right now that have turned from the church. And the church is kind of doing this and consolidating in many ways. And I continue to hear of churches who are failing, and I continue to hear of churches that are closing their doors weekly. I hear of pastors. Just a couple of weeks ago, I heard of two pastors. It was only a Tuesday, and two from Sunday to Tuesday had decided to leave the ministry. It's been too much. And I continue to hear of these things that are happening But here's the thing, even in the midst of COVID, even in the midst of all of the unrest that we're seeing in our country and around the world, we have to continue to fight. And we need to leverage it. And people right now, they're looking for answers. We need to share the gospel. This is a gospel moment for each one of us. Leverage it the best way that you can. And then finally, if you have not repented and given your life to Jesus, today is the day. Don't wait. Please don't hold it off. Accept Him as your Lord and Savior, and you can do it today. We're going to take communion here in just a moment. I'm going to pray for us, and, and, and it's set up on, on all of the different tables around the room. And after I pray for us, you can go and you can you can get those. Uh, remember, there's no lid on it, so be careful that you don't spill it. I want you to remember what Jesus did for you. He went to the cross for you. He chose to stay for you. At any moment he had a legion of angels waiting, 12,000 angels ready. That if Jesus would have said that's enough he'd have been off of that cross. Yet he chose to stay for each and every one of you. And so as we partake of these emblems we're remembering what Jesus did. His body is the bread. It represents that He was flesh. It represents that He is human. He went through everything. He was hungry. He was thirsty. He was tired. He understood pain. He understood loss. He understands what you've went through. And the the, the juice represents His blood that was shed. That is the atoning sacrifice. And if you need prayer, if you need someone to talk with, I'm going to be in the back. The elders are going to be in the back. We'd love to talk with you, to pray with you, to help you make a decision that you need to make. But whatever decision you have to make, we're going to continue our worship right now. Let's pray. Almighty Father, we thank you so very much for the gift of your Son. Father, He chose to stay for us, and I'm so blessed, so thankful. He is our victor. And we never forget that. And so, Father, if there is someone here who has never accepted you as their Savior, that that they will make that decision here today. And, And, Father, as we partake of communion, we remember that sacrifice. We remember what you allowed your Son to do on our behalf. I'm so, so grateful and so thankful for that. We pray this in your son's most holy and precious name. Amen.